0: Bible. We're going to be looking at first John here in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking from that passage of scripture. First John, we're going to be looking at verse three here in just a little bit. We are in a, a series. We just started this series last week. The series is called There's No Place Like Home. And we're discussing Our purpose statement here at Trinity Fellowship and our purpose statement is comprised of what we call the five E's. Last week, we talked about how that we're going to exalt Christ in everything we do. That was our worship focus. And today we are we are hitting that second E and it is about fellowship. But the way that we word it, it looks something like this. It says we're going to encourage godly relationships through our daily lives. And so we want to answer the following questions. What does it mean to be in fellowship with God? What does it mean to be out of fellowship with God? How about, how about this? What does it cost to stay in fellowship with God? And so today... What we're going to talk about is this home is where we encourage each other. Home is where we encourage each other. This is our fellowship aspect. And I, I want you to understand. Why that we have determined here at Trinity that we are going to encourage godly relationships through our daily lives. Why is that such a big deal? It's not just it's not just a sentence, but it's how It is how we do church. And it's not just how we do church, but it's how we do life. When we talk about the word fellowship, you need to have a better understanding of what that word means, not just our own cultural understanding of that word. Our cultural understanding of the word fellowship would be uh, that Maybe you met someone new, at, new here at church today. You're like, well, I met somebody new at Trinity Fellowship. Now we, we know each other. Or maybe you uh, even shared a small group with someone for 12 or 13 weeks. So you say, well, we were in the same small group together. We, were, we, 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 got, you know, we, we have a relationship based on the time we shared together in that small group. But fellowship, as it is used in the New Testament, the word there is something that is a whole lot deeper and requires a whole lot more commitment than just getting together with someone after church on Wednesday night at Village Inn for coffee and a piece of pie. I'm telling you, fellowship takes it a whole new level. It's not just... Starting to kind of know someone, but it is, requires such a deeper commitment with that than that. And, and when you look at these people in the New Testament that we're talking about, it says that they shared fellowship together. What that means is that they shared persecution together, they, they, they were being persecuted for their faith. In fact, if you were trying to serve Jesus in other parts of this world right now, you would understand true fellowship perhaps better than we do here in the United States. There are people right now in other countries who are losing their lives simply because they're believers. Just because they gather together like we're doing right now. They haven't done anything different than what we've been doing here for the last 30, 45 minutes. They gather together to sing, pray, and receive the word. And because of that, they're losing their lives. And that was the case back in the New Testament. Some of the places, some of the churches where Paul visited and wrote to, these were the conditions people were living under. When he talked about fellowship, he wasn't saying, hey, why don't you all get together after church and, and uh, you know, wear a name tag, get to know each other, shake one another. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, if you really want to be a part of the fellowship and the relationship of the church and the, and the relationship of Christ, you need to bear one another's burdens. And so people who were fellowshipping in the New Testament, they were doing so perhaps sometimes in peril of their own lives. It meant that they were bearing the burdens of a fellow believer from their fellowship, from their gathering, from their house church. Maybe that person had, that they're fellowshipping with had lost a, a member of their family this week due to persecution. That takes it to another level, doesn't it? How would you like to minister to somebody not just because, you know, hey, I, I need to visit with you because, uh, you know, we we broke up this week or 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 we couldn't pay our electric bill or something. I'm talking about, they said, can you visit with us? Our dad or our son was martyred this week for being a believer. When it was a crime to be a Christian. And if you participated with that person by fellowshipping with them you might receive the same punishment that they're going to receive and yet they fellowshipped. the scripture said that they shared and they had all things in common and there have been some over the years who have tried to explain it this way they said well basically the new testament church was you know they were like communists that's not true They try to explain it well when it says that they shared everything, they had all things in common, it means that everybody sold their stuff and they moved into a commune. That's not true. They lived in their own houses. They had their own places. I've seen some of those places myself. They were not able to all live in one place. I've seen the houses that they lived in. What does it mean? It means that when this member of their family This brother or this sister, a part of their Christian fellowship, was suffering. If somebody needed to sell something that they had to help get them through it, they did. If somebody had to sacrifice, if somebody had to give up some sleep, if somebody had to go out of their way, if somebody had to have somebody's back in a rough time, they had committed to do so because that's what fellowship is. Trinity fellowship is not just a cool word that we came up with years ago and we said, that'd that'd be really cool on a sign. There's a little bit more thought that went into it than that. This is a church that has said, we have committed to the following. We have decided that we are going to encourage each other in our daily lives because our daily lives is where it matters. On Sunday, you're not struggling all that much. You're sitting here and you're hearing the worship and you're part of the prayer and you're part of the word. I dare say you're probably not struggling like some of you are going to struggle this Friday night and this Saturday night. Your daily life is going to be important. That's why it doesn't say we encourage godly relationships on Sundays. We're encouraging godly relationships on Sundays for people to come together and pray and then go out and eat dinner. And then do whatever you want the rest of the week. But then come back next Sunday and some of us will be here. And the ones that are here will care. We're saying that we are committing to being a church that says, we're going to do life with you. Good, bad, we're doing life together. We're committing to one another. Good times, bad times, thick and thin. I'm going to have your back. You're going to have my back. We're going to do life together. We're going to get each other through this because we cannot bear the thought of somebody not making it home. Where's home? We talked about last week, we said home is anywhere that that we are with the Father, remember? And and we said, man, home home can be your heart, home can be your house, home can be your church. But ultimately, home is where we're with our Father, and ultimately, that will be where? In heaven. And we can't afford, we can't bear the thought of anyone not making it home. So I ask you this question. What would you do to ensure the fact that your son or your daughter or your biological brother or sister made it to heaven? What would you give to make sure that happened? What would you be willing to pay? What would you be willing to invest? How would you pray? What would you do? What would you be willing to sacrifice to make sure that your family makes it to heaven? Whatever that is. Is the same requirement that we have in the body of Christ. Not just to our own, but to everyone. And that is fellowship. It's relationship. And it's why we call this today what we're calling it. Home is where we encourage each other. Home is where we encourage each other in the midst of our daily lives. We're going to encourage each other. And we're going to do that through what? Through the relationship that we have with God, through the relationship we have with each other, through the fellowship we have. So then again, what is fellowship? And that's where we're going. What does it mean to be in fellowship with God? What does it mean to be in fellowship with each other? Here's what we've decided at our church. We decided to commit to each other. We're going to work, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to suffer if we have to, in order to make sure that we all get home safe. We've decided the following. We will not kill our wounded here. Somebody say amen. We've decided we are not going gossip to gossip about our failures. Somebody say amen. Amen. You don't want them gossiping about yours. Don't gossip about theirs. Amen. We're not going to do it. The the next thing is. We're not going to tolerate wolves. Coming in to destroy our unity. Somebody say amen. We're going to guard the unity. Because home. Has got to be the safe place. There's no place like home. Home got to be safe. Got to have a place in your life that's safe. Till we get home. We got to have a place where we know somebody's got my back. This, this place where you are sitting right now is not just a building where that we gather together and and we try to impress you with the talents that we have. This is so much more to us than that. It is embedded in our hearts that if this is where God is sending you and we're supposed to be your church family, we don't want to have that surface relationship where we just see you on Sunday. We expect that you're going to have some kind of a committed relationship to other people in this room. Whereby you can do life together. That's Trinity fellowship. Text. First John. Look at this. First John 1 verse 3. Spells this out. That which we have seen and heard we declare unto you. So that you may also what? Have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ, and we write these things to you so that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we have heard from him. And we declare it to you that God is light and in him him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. These verses tell me four things. I wish you'd get your pen and write them down. These are the truths that are found in these verses. They're very basic, very simple. Number one, verse three tells us who our fellowship is with. Our fellowship is with God. Our relationship, our fellowship we are joined to. He is joined to us. We are in fellowship with God. Number two is found in verse four. It says that our fellowship produces complete joy. There's joy that is found in that fellowship when we bear one another's burdens. Number three is found in verses five and six. Our fellowship makes us accountable To the light of truth. What does that mean? That means that the light of truth exposes. Sin. And that in true fellowship. In true relationship. Is found real accountability. How many of you know that you need to be accountable to somebody? And number four. Is found in verse seven. It says that our fellowship keeps us pure. Keeps us pure. There's a lot of people that don't think they need to be in God's house in order to be Christians. They'll tell you, I worship God. I worship him when I'm out on the lake, right? I, I, there's no need me going to church. I, you know, I read my Bible every once in a while. I can serve God. I don't want to go to church with all those hypocrites. All, you've heard all that mess, right? So why is it necessary to go to church? Here's why. There's accountability there. God intends that the local church be the place where that people come home, where that they can contribute and receive and be accountable to one another. And you can't make it on your own. But in the body of believers, there's a responsibility that we have to one another. That's why we're all here. The scripture talks about how that one is the arm and one is the ear and one is the eye. We all make up the body of Christ. If someone's not there, something's missing. And so the body comes together. The body is necessary. The people are necessary to make up the body of Christ. If you decide not to come to this place and you're supposed to be here, we've got something, a part of our body that's missing and it won't function correctly. That's why it's important for you to determine where is it that I'm supposed to be worshiping? Where am I supposed to fellowship? Because I I am supposed to be plugged into that. I am not just here to receive from all this. I am here to contribute to this. We are in a relationship together. Hmm. James Packer, he wrote a book years ago called Your Father Loves You. I don't read to you very often, but I'm going to read you what he wrote. He said the Greek word for fellowship comes from a root meaning common or shared. So fellowship means common participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or receiving what he or she has. Give and take is the essence of fellowship and give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of the body of Christ. So. Christian fellowship is two dimensional. It has to be, check this out, it has to be vertical before it can be horizontal. Christian fellowship has got to be vertical before it is horizontal. And he goes on to say why. We must know the reality of fellowship with the Father and His Son Jesus before we can know the reality of fellowship with each other in our common relationship to God. The person who is not in fellowship with the father and the son. uh Oh, listen to this. The person who is not in fellowship with the father and the son is no Christian at all. And so cannot share with Christians the realities of their fellowship. Wow, that's strong. Remember a minute ago when I said, are there dues or fees? I said, are there dues and fees to being a part of the fellowship? Are there dues and fees? And you said, oh yeah, and that's the part where he's going to talk about money. No, I'm not. Has nothing to do with money. In fact, I'm about to show you the verse that I think that this could hinge on. If you look to Romans chapter 13, verse 8, I believe it spells out the fees and the dues of right relationship with us to God and to each other. It says this, pay your debts as they come due. However... One debt you can never finish paying is the debt of love that you owe each other. You never finish paying that debt. That due, that fee is always going to be there. You're going to have to love me. And I'm going to have to love you. And we're going to have to bear with each other. And we're going to have to share each other's burdens. And we're going to have to care and pray for each other. If we want to be in right fellowship, if we want to be in right relationship, hmm. so let's look at this for a minute. What what does it mean to be out of fellowship? Have you ever heard that term? You've heard that term, haven't you? He or she is out of fellowship with God. Have you ever heard that? Can I can I break down for you just very simply what that means? To be out of fellowship with God, that's the person who is choosing. To neglect his or her relationship and responsibility to God and to his family. We would call that person a runaway. A backslider. A backslider is that person who has chosen. They know what's right and wrong, but they have chosen to neglect. Or run from their responsibility. To God and to his family. Anybody here ever run away from home when you was a little kid? You remember that? You run away from home? And, you know, you had your, your intentions were, I'm going to be tough and this is for life, right? But as soon as the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the apple were gone, and it started getting dark, and you start thinking, ooh, those are sounds I've never heard before as a five-year-old. <laughs> Never heard those sounds at night before. And all of a sudden, you start thinking to yourself, hey, home is really not all that bad. I think I'll go back there. Am I right? That's why any you have a runaway returning back home, it's such a joyful thing. The scripture talks about the prodigal son. Such a joyful thing. That's why that... That's why that heaven rejoices when believers who have decided to get out of fellowship with God and run decide to come back home. And all of heaven rejoices when people decide to quit running and come back home. They decide to get back in a right relationship, get back in right fellowship with their father. There's no place like home. There's just no place like home. Home is safe. Home is secure. Home is where you're loved, appreciated, and wanted. There's no place like home. It's a lonely, frightening world when you're a runaway. So let me give you very quickly, as we're starting, we're beginning to conclude this, we're going to conclude this by saying The key to staying home. How many of y'all want to know what the key to staying home is? Have you ever ever struggled with, you know, you're home and then you get away from home and you come back home and you get away from home. You want to know. Let me tell you what the key to staying home is. It's found in these passages. 1 John 1, 7. Man, this is powerful. But if we live in the light... In the same way that God is in the light. Then we have a relationship with each other. And the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from every sin. Are you living in the light? That's the key. There are a lot of people. Now listen to me for a second. A lot of people who like to dance in the light on Sunday. And walk in the dark the rest of the week. it's true you ever noticed why some people who are just really struggling but they keep coming back even if their week is filled with failures and mess ups but they still keep showing up you know why because when they get back home they feel better if it's not for a long period at least they feel better for a minute I want to live in that place where I feel better and the scripture says I can See, here's what needs to happen in some of our lives. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to walk through our soul and give Him permission to kick open every closet door and shine with the light and the power of the Holy Spirit into the deepest, darkest crevices, most hidden places that we thought we had Him locked out of. And when the light shines in, we say, oh God, now blow out the dust. Sweep out the mess and fill it with the Holy Spirit. Keep the door open. Keep the light on, God. Let the Holy Ghost keep dwelling in this place. I want to live in the light. I don't want to just come in and out of the light. I want to live in the light. What are you hiding in the dark? Listen to me for a minute. Whatever it is that you're hiding in the dark is keeping you from a right relationship or a right fellowship with God. That's the key, Brad. That's how it works. Whatever you keep hidden in the dark, you will be slave to. It steals your confidence in Christ. It robs you of your joy and your peace. It literally robs you of the success that you can have in the Lord. But the good news is this. In Christ, you can get free and you can stay free. Somebody say amen. And you're in a place today, you're among people who have decided, who made a commitment years ago to say, we're going to be that place that people can make that decision. We're going to be that place that won't look down on, won't stand in judgment of, but it's going to have our arms open because we're the same ones that are trying to stay in the light too. So we're going to be open to everybody that's coming in out of the dark. We're all just one mistake from being back in the dark ourselves. we made a decision we have made a choice that we're going to encourage godly relationships through our daily lives that's what that E means we aren't perfect none of us are perfect either but I want you to hear this statement as I conclude we are all broken but we're sticking together That's fellowship. (laughs) Isn't that such a great definition of fellowship? That's relationship. We're all broken, but we're sticking together. If anybody ever comes to our church and they are perfect, I mean, they're like five minutes from the Enoch translation. If we ever have somebody that comes here, first of all, they won't be here long because they, you know, going up but they won't stay at our church long perfect folks don't stay here long because we're just not perfect enough for them you're a mess and I am too I'm busted up so bad I'm broken up so bad So thankful the Lord gave me a picture of brokenness years ago. I felt so bad in His presence. I don't belong there, right? And one day I saw myself in His presence. I said, "God, I want to be that vessel." I want to be that perfect vessel in your house that, that you pour into and that you pour into that gets so full that, that it would just run over. Don't you want to be that? That it would just run over. And the Lord showed me, you're not that vessel. He said, you're busted up all over. And I said, what am I going to do? He said, where's well, the good news? He said, here's what happens when you pour into a broken vessel. It leaks on Everything it don't just fill up and run down the side it'll spring a leak and it'll just go all I said maybe that's who I'd rather be if brokenness has had to happen in my life to cause that to be then that's where it's going to have to be it keeps me humble it keeps me struggling it keeps me daily finding a way to get under that blood home is where we encourage each other in fellowship and i want to pray for those of you that would say pastor i'm ready to live in the light i'm tired i'm tired of going from light to dark and dark to light and i got to give you this verse now i know i'll butcher it the reason I'll butcher this verse is because I memorized scriptures as a little kid in King James and then as I've gotten older, I've loved to read different trans. I love NIV. I love God's word. I love uh, I-, I love contemporary English. I love all these different tra- And So, now when I try to quote scripture, it's such a mess. And like, it's like, you know, there's, there's this word and then here's a thee and a thou and I'm like you know, it's just a mess. But, but, I, but the other day, the Lord showed something to me. Man, it convicted my heart. Is something along these lines that you have to confess your faults to another so that you may be healed and forgiven. I said, I don't like that verse. When I read it, I don't like that verse because I don't mind confessing it to God, but I don't have to tell nobody. I don't have to tell no person. Am I right? And then I looked at the verse and I was broken. I was thought on my lands. I, I struggle because there may be places in my life where I have repented. I told God I've come very clean. God knows I've come very clean with God but I thought wow are there areas in my life that have never been healed and restored because I couldn't confess it to another person but I want to live in the light I mean I want to live in the light I don't want to dance back and forth I want to live in the light are you living in the light are you hiding something in the dark is there something that you need to tell somebody? I'm not saying you got to tell the world. I'm not saying you got to confess on Channel 5 News. I'm saying, though, you got to find somebody in your life. Somebody in your life that you could be honest with. Because I don't think you're going to get completely free. And I don't think the closet is ever going to have the light completely shining in it until there's somebody out there besides Jesus who can help keep you accountable. Here's what happens. The minute you tell, then you walk off in the corner and you say to the devil, "You got nothing on me now. You can't bind me or tempt me by that no more because somebody knows. I'm done." Are you living in the light? Are you living in the light? You want to stay in the light? You want to stay in correct fellowship with God and His church? You want to stay in right relationship with God and His church? You got to live in the light. Got to come clean. The team's about to lead us in a concluding song. You know the drill. This is a house of prayer. These altars are open. You can walk. You can sit. You can stand. You can come down here lay on the floor. I don't care what you do. Kneel around these altars. Kneel around these seats. However you want to do it. I don't want you to raise your hand today. I don't want to know who I'm talking to. I don't need to know. But I want you to come clean with God. And I want you to let Him tell you who it is that you can confide in where can you go who can you confide in I want us to be free I want us to walk in true fellowship and true relationship with God and so I'm going to open this up to you and say I want you to come and and join us for prayer all those folks that are with us right now by live stream I'm going to speak to them right now too and say thank you so much for joining us today But wherever you are, don't let this moment get by. Kneel down somewhere. Pull the car over to the side of the road. Kneel down at the couch. Put down the fishing pole for a minute. Whatever it takes for you to do, don't let this minute get by without asking God, am I living in the light? And what do I need to do to make that so? God bless you. I thank you for joining us. We'll see you this time get next week. For all the rest of you. They're gone. We're praying for them that they're praying. They were with us last week all over the world. They're our online family and we're praying for them. Right here in this room. It's just us. It's just us. Take advantage of this moment. To let the Lord examine your heart. Are you in right relationship? Are you in fellowship with God and His church? Do you want to live in the light? Come on. Come on. Let's pray.